Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Okay, so now you can go ahead and grab your notes or your app, however it is that you do this space. And we are jumping into week four of Please, Sorry, Thanks. So this is a really an important series where we've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about the fact that our words can build and change our worlds. And we've been looking at three what parents might call magic words, right? Please, sorry, and thanks. But this series isn't just about um, better manners, although, I mean, we are in Loxahatchee, so if that happens, great, right? No? Okay. (laughs) Um, But it's really about something deeper than that. We're talking about this, we talked about the psychology of please. Last week, we began the science of sorry. We'll continue that today. And we still have yet to talk about the theology of thanks. And so these three words really represent something deeper that we're trying to bring into our relationships and to allow to form us. Last week, we talked about the science of sorry part one, and we really dug into the concept of empathy. Now, if you didn't catch that message from Pastor Trevor, I really encourage you to check it out. Um, This is something that I think is super important in our society right now, thinking about how other people feel. And we specifically talked about practical ways to help hurting people. And I think that that is something we're not always great at. We don't know how to help people who are hurting, what to say, what to do. And so that message really helped us practically think about how to help people in our lives who are hurting. Today, we are going to dig into sorry as apology. So we'll be thinking about apologizing and how we use sorry to kind of shape that practice within our lives. Now, throughout these weeks, we've been using the same passage of scripture from Romans 12. And I was thinking about this passage this week just as, we, as I was reading, reading it again, praying through it. And it's kind of a funny passage. It's in the middle of this letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And he's never actually been to visit the church. And so the letter of Romans is like, here's all the things I know that you need to know. And the first part of it is really about the theology of the Christian faith. And so it's very important about right belief and how all these pieces work together. And then the second part of the letter, which we are in, is the more practical piece, like how to live in this Christian community. Because the church is brand new at this point, right? There has never been a church yet. And so Paul is teaching them how to live in a Christian community together. But this passage we've been looking at, it's kind of just like a hit list of things you need to do. It's a bunch of different ideas. And so I was looking through it and I'm like, what is Paul's, you know, what's like his connecting idea here? And then I realized it made me think of house rules. Does anyone have a sign in your, in your house of your house rules? We have one in our house. It looks like this. So in this house, these are the things we do, right? We give grace. We say, I'm sorry. We have fun. It kind of, it gives statements that shape how our family lives together. House rules are a list of things that you're going to do in order to live together in the way that you want to. It helps shape the direction of your family. And I think that's exactly what Paul is doing in this passage. He's giving all these different things that we need to do as a Christian community in order to live together. 
And so we're going to, li- to read that passage again today through that lens, thinking of the house rules. So let's stand together to honor the reading of God's word. And we're in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have a seat. Um, Lord, we come before you this morning, and we want your word to read us. We know your word is living and active, and so I pray today that your Holy Spirit would just come into the hearts of every person in this room and highlight exactly what it is you would want to say to them. Um, Teach us, Lord, to be people who are shaped by your word. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to focus in on one of the verses from Paul's house rules, and that is Romans 12, 18. Let's read this verse all together. Ready? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's a hard one, right? (laughs) Let's look at kind of each piece of the verse. So if it is possible... What I love here is that Paul starts right away by acknowledging it's not always possible, right? So it takes a little bit of the pressure off of us, I think. It is not always possible to live at peace with everyone. There are some relationships that may not be healthy for us to remain in. There are others we need to have boundaries around. And there are others where we just, it is impossible. And Paul acknowledges that here. And the next clause, though, it says, as far as it depends on you. So I feel like just as he took off some of the heat, he puts it right back on. (laughs) So as far as it depends on you, basically he's saying, you will do everything in your power to do this, as far as it depends on you. You'll try as hard as you can to to make this true, to live at peace. And finally, live at peace with everyone. Now, I was reading this, and I was like, everyone? Like, everyone, everyone? And then I thought, you know, Paul, he's like first century. He doesn't know 21st century people. 
right? Like, that's, it must be different. And so I thought, I'm like, I'm going to go to the Greek. I'm going to figure out what he actually means here. What does the word everyone actually say? And so I checked it out, and what it actually means is everyone. (laughs) It's everyone. And so we are called to live at peace with everyone. Now, what does saying sorry have to do with that? Well, we think that saying sorry is really the first step towards living at peace with everyone. And that seems, I mean, that's pretty common sense, right? I think everyone here would probably agree with that. We have people every week who come visit church, who watch online, who are just beginning to navigate a relationship with Jesus, who aren't even maybe quite sure why you're here, except someone told you there would be coffee. And then we have people who've been walking with Jesus a long time. And so no matter where you are at on that faith spectrum, I think we can all agree, yeah, saying sorry, that's a good thing to do. But I think it's also easier said than done, right? Saying sorry is difficult. I mean, can we just talk about raising children for a second? Specifically siblings, Like, how many times, how many hours am I going to waste of my children's ever-loving lives waiting for them to apologize to each other? (laughs) You know, I think this is a common problem because the internet, they've come up with a solution, as they always do, right? The get-along shirt. (laughs) Have you guys seen this? Apparently, you just get this large shirt, stick your upset kids in it, and it solves everything. Oh, I don't know. I haven't yet tried it with my kids, but we have found it handy to come in at work here. So, you know. Uh. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) So, last week... (laughs) Come back together. Here we go. <laughs> Last week when we started talking about sorry, about, about sorry, Pastor Trevor talked about people who are allergic to the word sorry, right? They just it can't come out of their mouths. And I admit I have a kid like that, just won't say the words. And so I did, a, again, did a little research for you, and I found an article about all these ways to, to apologize without actually saying the word sorry. Would you like to hear a couple of them? Okay, so I'm just going to brief you. It's from The Onion. Everyone familiar with The Onion? Satirical newspaper? Okay, so here are ways to apologize without saying sorry. The first one says, I want to make things right in some trivial way. And what this does is lets them know you're about actions, not just words, as long as the actions aren't some kind of hassle. The next one is for men specifically. Oopsie poopsies. This one says a grown man saying this phrase is distracting enough no one will remember the mistake you made. (laughs) And finally, the last one, here's 50 grand. (laughs) The author says if you can afford it, this is really the way to go. Okay, so we see across our culture, it's hard to say sorry. And because it's so difficult, I think that we often don't do a very good job of it. So we're going to start today by being super practical and talking about ways not to say sorry. Okay, so we're going to start there first. And when I'm sure, I know for me, I have said sorry these ways before, so this is not a blaming or finger-pointing moment. 
but just a chance for us to see maybe where our growing edge is. And so three ways not to say sorry. Um, The first one is sorry if. Sorry if. So this is known as a conditional apology. And when you're saying sorry if, you're only saying, oh, I might have done something wrong. You're not fully accepting the responsibility of it. This is like, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Or I'm sorry if you were offended by what I said. And in doing this, you're not taking responsibility for what you've done. The second type of apology to avoid is sorry but. This is known as the excuse-making apology. So in this in this type of apology, you're acknowledging that something has happened, but you're excusing your behavior and really saying, there was a reason I did that, right? So, sorry, but what I said was true, right? That's a dangerous one. Um, (laughs) Or, sorry, but you can't expect me to be perfect, right? Those types of apologies are not effective. And finally, perhaps the worst one is, sorry, you, This is a blame-shifting apology. And when you issue this type of apology, you're actually transferring the blame to the other person, the person that you have hurt. So you might say something like, I'm sorry you were offended by what I said, or I'm sorry you took my words the wrong way. And any of these types of apologies actually cause more harm than good. Right? I'm sure maybe in your mind right now you're thinking of an apology you were issued this way and how it made you feel, or perhaps of an apology that you issued and that was not effective in this way. This does not get at the heart of apologizing when we want to honor the other person. You know, the truth is, apologizing is so hard And these types of apologies don't work, but they are often what we go to because we don't know what to do. Um, There's actually a group online. They've called themselves the Sorry Watch. They have come together and they take apologies out of the public, out of movies, out of literature, and they analyze them. Their mission statement is this. To analyze apologies in the news, media, history, and literature, condemn the bad, and exalt the good. But they've written a book about how to apologize well, and there was a quote from one of the authors that I thought really got to the heart of why it's hard to make a good apology, and I want to share that with you. A good apology builds bridges. It heals wounds. It's also really hard. Apologizing is a courageous act because we're overcoming all of our own animal instincts and all of our own self-protectiveness when we do it. So this is why apologizing is hard, because we have to be willing to let ourselves be seen in perhaps not the light we want to be seen, right? We have to admit that we've done something that we may be ashamed of or maybe shouldn't have done, and that's not what we want to do, right? We're all people who want to protect ourselves at all costs, And so let's talk about because an apology builds bridges and heals wounds, we need to learn how to apologize in an effective way that honors another person. So now we're going to shift and talk about how to issue an effective apology. Okay, you may want to take notes on this and this is going to get super practical. So how to say sorry. First of all, be very specific. This is the first kind of principle in saying sorry. And you want to specifically say what you did wrong. So I'm sorry for blank. All right, this is not where you're vague and say, I'm sorry I messed up. 
Like that doesn't cut it. You're saying specifically what happened. I'm sorry I hung up on you when we were arguing on the phone. So you're naming the action. Um, Next, you want to take responsibility and acknowledge how you made the other person feel. So that looks like I'm sorry for blank and how it made you feel blank. Now, this is where you use your emotional intelligence. You go back and rewatch our empathy message from last week. You put yourself in the other person's shoes and really acknowledge how your actions made them feel. Whether you meant to make them feel that way or not, what were the other emotions that your actions made them feel? So I'm sorry for hanging up on you when we were arguing on the phone and how it made you feel disrespected and hurt. And then you're not quite done. And I think this last step is often what's missing from effective apologies, and that's making restitution. So with this, we are simply adding in, how can I make it right? So you're not just sorry, but you want to make it right. You want to make it better. And you know, in some situations, if it's like a material thing, this can be easier. Like you took your coworker's lunch and ate it out of the refrigerator, right? Then to make restitution next week, you're going to buy them two lunches, right? So with material items, it's easier to see kind of how you can make restitution. But sometimes I think it's trickier when you have an emotional tangle, right? You can't really be like, I'll buy you new feelings, doesn't quite work that way. (laughs) And so I think with an emotional, a relational issue, what this restitution really looks like is thinking about what specific steps will you take so that it doesn't happen again. So in our scenario, I'm sorry for hanging up on you when we were arguing and how it made you feel hurt and disrespected. Next time, I will ask you if I can take a five-minute break and call you back. You know, what are the specific steps that you will take to help make that situation right? And this is how you issue an effective apology. And then here's the tricky part. At this point, you're done, right? As far as it depends on you, you are done. It is up to the other person if they are going to accept your apology. And I think sometimes even the more tricky part there is sometimes you feel you're owed something in return, right? You think you also maybe are owed an apology the other direction. You know, I think about um, in my life, some of the people I apologize most to are my kids. I love them. They have a way of just, they know, right? They know the buttons to push. They know exactly what to do to just get under under your skin. And so, you know, Zach and I decided at the beginning of parenting that we were going to be parents who apologize to our kids We want them to know that it's okay to make mistakes and how to fix them, and we want to model that. And so I apologize to them a lot. (laughs) But sometimes when maybe I'm not in the the perfect mind space of doing it, you know, I'll go, I'll apologize. You know, I'm so sorry I said that. I'm sorry it hurt your feelings. I shouldn't have done it. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, all right. Did you want to say anything back? No. They're like, no, it's fine. all right, that's cool, that's cool. Nothing with like, I'm so, no. All right. (laughs) It's hard when you feel like you're owed an apology, right? But it's still worth it. Because I can also think of moments when I've apologized to my kids when I think it's made a big difference in our relationship. You know, I can think of one moment in particular with one of my children. There's always one, right? There's the one. They're just like you and just, hmm. So, 
We had had a rough evening, and I know we had been, you know, there was eye rolling, there was foot stomping, we were sarcastic, things were hitting sideways, it just, it wasn't good. It was one of those nights you can't wait for bedtime to come, right? Anyone else? No? Um, And so finally, I just put her to bed, and then I went to bed, and then I could not stop thinking just about some of the things that I had said to her that were not kind, they were not loving, They were not the type of parent that God has called me to be. And so I went into her room. She was still awake. And I knelt down next to her bed. And I just said, I'm so sorry that I said those things. I'm sorry they hurt your feelings. And I'm not going to do it again. And then I asked her, is there there anything that would make you feel better? And she wanted me to just lay in bed and snuggle with her for a few minutes. And I felt like in that moment, like, this is the power of an apology. It doesn't just fix things. It doesn't just remove guilt. It doesn't just repair a mistake. But when it's issued sincerely and humbly, then it can, it can deepen your relationships. It can pull those threads tighter You know, I I sensed in that moment with her that we were laying these important building blocks on this foundation of our relationship. And so that is what a simple sorry can do in your relationships. But I promise you, at the beginning of this message, this isn't just about saying sorry. Sorry is powerful. We're going to start there. But there's also something deeper at work here. And when I think about it, it's really tied back to our original, our framework of this passage about house rules. Why do I have a house rule sign hanging in my home? I mean, it's cute, it's adorable, it matches my decor, fits perfectly in the space it's in. But why do I hang it there? It's not because I want it to be a checklist of the things we do each day. It's not because I'm going to ask my kids, did you hug today? Did you give grace today? It's more about who they are becoming through those actions. It's about how those things shape our family into who we will become. It's not what we do. It's how those things help us become. And I thought of this quote by one of my favorite spiritual um, writers and authors, Dallas Willard. And he says that the most important thing in your life is not what you do. It's who you become. And what I see here is a picture of the Christian life, right? Christianity is not just about right beliefs. It's not just about intellectual assent to the correct doctrine. And it's not just about doing things for God. It's about who we become. And if we're Christians, who, are, who we are becoming is Jesus, and so when I look back at our verse at Romans 12:18, I want us to look at it and think, what does this tell us about who we are to become? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I want us to look at this word peace. What does peace have to do with who we are to become? Well, I think about Jesus' words in his most famous sermon and what he said in Matthew 5. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers. 
So I think more than just being people who say sorry, Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers. And you know, I was, I was spending some time with that word this week because it doesn't say peacekeepers, right? It's not about people who stand up and smile at everyone and just let everyone do whatever they want, keep the peace, you know, don't rock the boat. That's not what it says here. It says we're called to be peacemakers. So how do we make peace? I was journaling about that this week and um, I was asking God that question because I don't know the answer. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it means to be a peacemaker. And I wrote down some things that came to mind that I want to share with you. Before I do that, I want to remind you that our initial conditions from Paul still stand, right? If it is possible, and as far as it depends on you. So peacemaking within your own world, not other people's business, and if it is possible to maintain a healthy relationship. But here are some of the things that I felt like God told me that being a peacemaker would mean in my life. And maybe one of them will stick out to you today. Being a peacemaker means taking the initiative to restore a relationship. Being willing to admit that you are wrong or don't understand. Not letting resentment live in your relationships. Not being satisfied with strained relationships. Being willing to stand up instead of standing by. Trying to understand perspectives and opinions that are different from yours. Not villainizing people who think differently than you. Seeking out the people that you are not at peace with rather than avoiding them. And purposely engaging with difficult topics or people in a constructive, peacemaking way. And I don't know about you, but I was deeply challenged. And to be quite honest, as I was working on the message, I had to pause and make a phone call to someone in my life that we had a fine relationship. We were fine. We were not arguing. We didn't say anything mean to each other. We coexisted just fine. But it was just fine. And I knew that there was something I needed to apologize for that was keeping our relationship from being fine to being right. And so that's where God challenged me in my being a peacemaker. So if we're called to be peacemakers, just think with me for a moment here. What could that mean for our world? What if each of us, each of us in this room, were to actively construct peace beginning in your own family? What impact would it have in your neighborhood, in your workplace, on a sports team, in an online community? Right? How different would we look from our culture who cancels people, who thrives on conflict, who cannot stand to have different viewpoints from each other? Right? What witness would we have in the world when we look so opposite from the culture? And what if, what if simply saying sorry, what if that opened the door to peacemaking? And if in that relationship, you would eventually be able to point someone to Jesus, to the Prince of Peace. You know, what, what Jesus did for us 
That's what enables us to participate in the calling of being a peacemaker. Because he is the one who first brokered peace between us and God. For some of you, there may be something in your heart and your mind right now that you're thinking of a situation where, you know, you need to take the next step in peacemaking. And I just want to encourage you not to forget that. Not to just uh, quiet it down, but to obey what God's asking you to do there. And some of you have relationships where you you want there to be peace and there just isn't. And if there's something that we can pray with you for, we have prayer teams. Please come this way before you leave. Um, prayer changes things. And so if you, if you have something that feels stuck, come get prayer before you leave this morning. And now I just want to read over you from our friend Paul, a blessing of peace from um, another one of his letters. He says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. So go in his peace and we'll see you next weekend. Have a good one.